This is episode 10 with monk, mystic, and author of the mosaic, Daniel Levin. This is Pencil Leadership. My name is Chris Anderson. And finally realizing my master's degree only taught me so much, I decided to start on a journey to learn more about what it truly means to be a pencil leader and how we can leave a positive mark on people and the world around us. So each week, I'm going to bring you a topic or a guest that will help guide us on our way to grow and leave a positive mark wherever we go. So if you're ready, take out your pencils and let's begin. Most people do not listen with the intent to understand. They listen with the intent to reply. Stephen R. Covey. And it's in these moments when we can really listen to someone that we are going to break through and be able to understand them at a different level. We're going to be able to help them and understand where they're coming from and what they've been through. We're going to pick up on little things besides just the words that they are saying. So many times, and myself included, we listen to reply. We're thinking about what we're going to say next instead of just listening and responding. We don't always have to have a reply. And so being able to talk to to Danny Levin today about listening and really the benefit of that uh, is something you guys really are going to enjoy and benefit from. So get out your pencils and let's get started. Danny Levin walked away from an opportunity to run a billion-dollar business, to hitchhike the world to find happiness and inner peace. He studied in seminary for five years, but left one day shy before becoming a rabbi and continued to live as a monk for the next 10 years in a monastery. Now, as a director of business development, he's grown Hay House from $3 million to $100 million in revenue. He's a rare blend of businessmen and mystic who sees what others do not see. He's the author of The Mosaic, a beautiful story that touches the heart and soothes the soul. It is a book that helps us see what we do not see. As such, much of its magic exists in the spaces between the words. Danny, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Chris. I I already have enjoyed our little conversation in the green room. Yeah, absolutely. I'm Uh, super excited to kind of discuss with you today about your background and, and, and what you went through as a monk, um, as people heard in the introduction. Um, so I guess if you want to start out, just kind of give us a, a background of like how you got to, um, the monastery. I would love that. But before I do, I'd love to know what intrigues you about it. I just, I hear I've heard multiple people talk about like being a monk or like following in the footsteps of monks or at least some of their, their doctrine and their ideas. And it just intrigues me of just how monks live for one Mm -hmm. um, in solitude uh, in quietness um, with such like obedience. And, and from what people have taken away, it always like, it just stands out when someone says they live, as a monk in a monastery for 10 years, like, what did you like? What was that like? Like, totally, totally. So, and I'm happy to share it. I, I never in a million years thought that I would be a monk, never <laughs> in a million years. Um, I, uh, I think what happened to me that drove that changed everything in my life. And I mm-hmm. write about it a little bit. Um, I, I write it in the fabulized version of my story, which okay. is the mosaic. Yeah is the fact that my parents passed away two years apart on the same day. Oh, wow. And so I was, well, my dad passed away when I was 13, my mom when I was 15. And so 
I think all my life I was wondering why would something like that happen? Mm -hmm. And in my book, The Mosaic, the main character, Mo, has the same thing happen to him. And he asks the adults where his parents are. Hmm. And they tell him they're in a place called heaven. So the little 15-year-old boy sets out on the road and search for the place called heaven. Hmm. And what I realized only in writing the book five, six years ago, uh -huh. that that's what really happened. I never had the courage to look at the fact that that's what I was really doing my whole life. Wow. When I walked away from a business opportunity, to, the opportunity to start at the bottom, work my way up to the top mm -hmm. with my uncle and create of a billion, he, 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 was, he had started and founded and, be, and was the owner of a billion dollar business that he wanted mm -hmm. to hand over to me. As beautiful as that looks in the world around us, it was not the heaven that I was looking for. Hmm. I was looking for that place where my, and I remember it, I, I, I have a vivid photo in my mind that I remember of my mom and dad of them just hugging me from the back, both of them with their arms around me as if this little, this little wise guy who some people think now is a wise man, but then <laughs> I was certainly a wise guy, and I don't think I'm a wise man now, could do no wrong. They just loved me without condition. Yeah. And I think I was always searching for that unconditional love that I felt in that moment that I, that I hadn't felt since my parents passed away. Hmm. And so I think that underneath, that undermining of no matter what I did, I didn't find it there. I thought maybe I'll find it in the in in the life of a of a monastic. That is, I just trying to take it all in, like just that process of of losing both parents, which yeah. um, I can't even imagine, um, and just trying to travel down that path of searching and and trying to comprehend it all, especially starting at such a young age. Uh, I don't know, like how do you, have you been able to come to terms? Like, have you? Uh, I thought I had been coming to terms my whole life, but it was, right. really, it was really only in writing the mosaic that I realized something that was really important. Mm -hmm. My mom and dad both died on the same day, two years, two years apart. apart. Right. And it was July 4th. Huh. So, so the story that I made up about their passing on July 4th was that I needed to be independent. Hmm. that I needed to find my way in the world, that you wow. couldn't count on anything, that the things that the things that were given to you would be taken from you. And unless you had a strength in yourself and, and that I needed to be independent. What I realized in writing the mosaic five years ago or six years ago was I had gotten all my life. I had gotten the message wrong. They weren't born on independence day. They died on independence day. Yeah. And the message they were trying to tell me is independence is death. When, huh. you, when you live alone and you try and do this world on your own, it's the death of people because we are, we, we are, we are better together. We were made to Absolutely. live with each other. We were made to function and help each other to achieve the world we want. And even in my life as a monk, I never saw my life as just sitting alone for, and we would meditate for eight 10, 12 hours a day, many days. And I was there for 10 years. Wow. And, and I never saw it as I was sitting on my own for my own benefit. Okay. I felt like I was sitting on my own to, because I was connected to the world around me. 
And the more that I could raise the vibration of my own individual world, the more the world that was connected to me would also raise vibration. Huh. Because nothing I was seeing in the world around me was working. Right. And, and look at the world we live in now. More and more, there's just disagreement and hatred and people at each other's throats. And right. what we see in each other is the, is the parts where we're, not to, where we're not alike, rather than having the courage to look at those places where we are alike. Mm. The beautiful thing about a mosaic and its artistry mm -hmm. is that very rarely are pieces connected side by side. Right. Yeah. Sometimes they're just corner to corner. Yep. Which means that most of the most of what this piece fe 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 and this piece feel, they the other one doesn't feel. Hmm. But the connection of one corner here, this one one little two percentage points of of connection that they have, is enough to make the mosaic whole, and is enough to continue the feeling of the mosaic. And oftentimes, I just think, why in the world don't we look for those parts? of each other that we agree with, that we right. have resonance with, that we're similar with? Why do we always have to look at what the other person doesn't do and put them down? And, and I think I understand it now a little bit more. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, that's a great point. The mosaic just, that paints a beautiful picture of how we're all connected. And it might not be, like you said, in a big way, but there's something, there's a small touch that we can have uh, and, and see that instead of the negative, the disagreements. And I think the, the sooner we can realize that, the sooner our communities will start growing together again. I think we've kind yeah. of fallen away from the community aspect of things. And yeah. I think that plays a part in, in all the discord and hatred that we see because I think it's more, we're becoming more selfish, I think, and not thinking of others uh as much and so yeah I think so in some ways i agree with you and in some uh -huh. ways i disagree uh-huh because if we were really to become selfish mm. not right not selfish but uh -huh. selfish if we would really get to know ourselves the reason i can't connect with you the reason why i look at your differences is because i always look at the bad part of me also we sit, most of the time, we sit knocking ourselves down. We sit and look at the world that we live in and we say, oh, I can't do this. I'm not good enough. How come nothing ever works for me? I'm stuck in this job that I have to do when I really want to do some other job or I want to be with this person or I'm not happy where I am. Instead of looking at the places where we are happy and all the things that we do. So if you think about the life that we live, and I see this in my own life, I've, and, I, and slowly over time, I'm adjusting it. But I spend so much time doing this, hmm. just literally trying to punch myself and with my other hand protecting myself, right? Right. That's a good point. And my, and my protection place is about two millimeters from my body. Right. So I don't know where I'm going to hit myself, if I'm going to hit myself in the face, in the stomach, in the knees, in the feet. So I've built a silo around myself that's about two millimeters from my, from my actual being. And, the, and what I showcase to the world is a silo. It's not me. Hmm. And because I want you to like me, I paint the silo with what I think you'll want me to see, who you want to see in me. And I spent so much time behind that silo that I start to believe that the, the painting on the silo is who I am rather than the person behind the silo. And I don't even know who I am anymore. Hmm. <clears throat> there's, a, there's a pandemic crisis happening in our world today. Hmm. 
Yeah. We don't know. We don't know ourselves because we spend so much time being good to other people hmm. that we forget about being good to ourselves. I, yeah, that's a great point and something. Yeah, I wasn't thinking in that comment, but you're right. I mean, and I've talked to people about it. We, if we don't take care of ourselves, how can we fully take care of other people? How can we fully love other people if we can't love ourselves or figure out who ourselves are? Yeah. Yeah, and and you hit it right on the head on that, and I think that's huge. And again, probably goes back to my own silo of of that comment. So yeah, just figuring ourselves out more and more so we can use our strengths fully to to benefit other people, including ourselves. And and so so the beautiful thing is, I have a theory that mm-hmm. our thoughts become our words, mm-hmm. our words create our stories, and our stories become our life. So one of the interesting things is when we start to notice ourselves saying things that we don't really believe, not because we don't really believe, like the statement you made was a beautiful statement. There's nothing wrong with that statement, right? But when you micro, when you micro look at it, right, and, and you, you realize ingrained in the micro lookingness of it is something that's just a slight bit off. And I remember being at a Tony Robbins seminar mm. and him saying, you know, the change you need to make is not a big change, Danny. Hmm. He said, you're two millimeters away from what you, from, you're just two millimeters off. But if you continue in that two millimeter offedness, hmm. within a year, you're going to be in a way different place than you want, yep. where you want to be. Yeah, absolutely. And what we do is we continue saying the words that we continue to say, which are just two millimeters off from what we really believe. So that in a year or two years or five years or 10 years or 64 years like me, we no longer <laughs> even know what we believe because we're, we're so used to the stories that we tell ourselves about what we believe. True. The beauty of a monastic life is there's nobody to tell stories to. Yeah. You, I, you, you sit quiet <laughs> with the one person in the world that already knows you better than you know yourself. Yeah. And when I tried to tell stories to that person, call him God, the universe, source, whatever you want to call him, myself, the person just laughed. <laughs> Not in judgment, but just in the idiocracy of, yeah. of how, why would you believe that about yourself? That's not who you are. Mm. Because they know, yeah, because he knows, yep. Yeah, because we all know ourselves. We know, we know the, we know we're not the silo that we painted. Mm-hmm. We know we're the, we're the vulnerable person behind the silo, but we're so scared to show that person because we're so scared we'll get hurt if we do that. Yeah, it's it's the same thing, right? Yeah, I'm hitting myself. So that the quickest way to lose that silo is for me to stop hitting myself. Right. When I hit, when I stop hitting myself, there's no reason to protect myself from somebody hitting me. Yeah, it's true. And so all of a sudden, this word kindness starts to pop up. Hmm. Like, what would happen if I was kind to myself? What life would I live? What would I be able to see now? Because my world would grow from a two millimeter silo all around me exponentially to like, oh my God, the world's out here. Everything is here, <laughs> right? Right. I might see you across the way and go, oh, boy, that's a scary mofo over there. I'm going to have to protect myself and pull the wall up. (laughs) But if you and I come together and your wall meets my wall, 
because that's what happens in life. We don't have real, we don't have real intimacy mm. with each other. We have my wall meets your wall and we think we're connected. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. And we were to take a moment and stop and say to each other, Hey, Chris, you can keep up your other three walls around you. But do you have the courage with me? If I promise you, I will be kind to you. If I promise you, I won't hurt you. If I promise you, I won't do anything to make you feel scared or afraid or nervous. Can we try one by one to take down the bricks? And we don't have to go any further than one, one brick. If, we feel, if all we feel comfortable doing is removing one brick this time, mm-hmm. let's remove that one brick. And it, we'll ask ourselves again, do we feel comfortable taking another one down? Right. And another one and another one. And, and we'll do it until we don't feel comfortable. And we'll stop where we don't feel comfortable because we don't want to impose our, our reality on somebody else. Hmm. But to the extent that we can take those bricks down and you and I can actually see each other, you and I can actually promise each other we won't hurt each other. That's when we have a, the possibility of a real connection. Because I can actually reach out and hold, hug you. I can shake your hand. I can, I can say, what do you need from me? How can I help you? Not the hidden person behind the wall that's scared to death. Yeah. You'll actually know somebody's there. <laughs> right. Does that yeah. make sense? Oh, absolutely. And I think we, we spend so long building the wall. That's what makes it so much harder later on to, to take it down. Yeah. So did you notice when you got to the monastery, I guess, what was that transition like from going? I know you're, I mean, trying to become a rabbi but going from even that to the monastery like was there a big transition was there a lot you had huge okay huge there's a there's a a poem that i was a i was a monk in a yoga community Hmm. so what it was a little bit different yeah but the teacher of the community um had a poem okay and he said father when i was young not a door open to the but now i see doors everywhere and, and the process of the monastery for me was that walls became doors. Mm. I walked into the monastery with walls all around me. I put walls all around me in the monastery. I literally siloed myself in my monastic cell. Mm. And, I would, and, I, and I held that and I carried that monastery with me when I would see people. I was still in a monastery. My wife says she's going to write a book called I Married a Monk because <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still that guy because I walk, with a, I walk with a presence that I don't know that I want the world into my, into my, into my world. I don't, I, don't, I don't want to be open to all the currents, and yet I want to be open to every current because every current is me. Right. Right? Yeah. And so when I, when I entered the monastery, I entered a place of walls. The longer and longer I was in the monastery, I noticed that every wall was a door Mm. and every door opened to a new experience. And in my book, The Mosaic, I talk about the fact that we are one connection away from everything else we want. Mm. Everything we want. If you think about a mosaic in the picture, a a piece is surrounded by pieces. And those, those can either enclose you like a wall or they can be tunnels through which you allow the connection from one piece to another to go. Hmm. Most of us think we're surrounded and we can't get out. Right. But we don't see the doors. We see walls instead. We see, it, but there's doors everywhere. Yeah. 
That's oh, that's awesome. That's a great way to look at things too. Cause I mean, even if there's doors, it's still, you have that door that's somewhat of a protection, but you have the access to open and close it whenever you need. hundred percent. Awesome. And that door may lead you right into a wall. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And that's, and that's okay. Yeah. You just close it. You just, you just turn around and you try yeah. another door because there's doors everywhere. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the sooner, I think that when we can finally kind of see that and see all the opportunity around us, see all the, the doors around us, I think, um, no pun intended, but I think it opens up a lot more yeah. for our, our journey in life. And I think so much more that we're able to do and accomplish uh, through that. I, but I think it's just so hard for people to see that. Why? Yeah. Why is it so hard to see that? That's the question. Yeah. Out of past, out of negativity, hatred. I, it's a lot. I mean, I'm sure there's so many things that we could we could just go all, all day about. So um, what if it weren't hard to see mm-hmm. that? Yeah. Like one of the things I do when I work with people mm-hmm. is I totally disrupt their story pattern. All right. Because, because just like we said before in your little, in, in the, how we started, yeah. you know, where we just have to be, if we would be nicer to each other and we're just right. selfish and yeah, and we disrupted that story just a little bit and we saw the difference that that made. Mm-hmm. What would happen if what we believe is just what we believe? What would happen if we had the courage to say what we believe isn't the world that's out there. It's just what we happen to believe. What we see isn't at all real. It's just what we see. And have you ever seen that picture where one way you look at it, it's an old hag and the other way you look at (laughs) it, it's young socialite. Yeah. Well, in the very same picture, both of those things exist. But when you see the old hag, you can't see the socialite. It's true. And, and so what would happen if that's the way we're living life? The way we see what we see is literally blocking us from seeing everything else that's there. Hmm. So what would happen if the things we think are really hard to do just aren't that hard? What would happen if they were easy to do? Yeah, so much. Oh, so much would be people would do so much. They'd, they'd be able to reach so, so newer heights. And accomplish so much because of it. I think so many times we we see the negative side or we see the fear or we feel the fear and that's kind of like that old hag in the picture. And so we we hesitate, we don't pull the trigger, we don't go for it because of that. And I think it, yeah. it squanders a lot of talent and a lot of a lot of positive things that people are holding inside that we never get to experience. Yeah. And so remember the the little equation that I started out with. Mm -hmm. Our thoughts create our words, our words create our stories, and our stories create our life. Mm -hmm. So what do the words of it's really hard? I don't know. I I, I mean, it's just so hard. (laughs) What, What stories do those create around why we stay stuck where we are? Right. Why would we ever go willingly into something that's so hard? I mean, you have you have warriors, some people who go, oh, it's hard. I'm going to break through it. Great. Okay. But even that's not the energy you want to do. Right. Why, why knock down walls when you can melt walls down? Hmm. You don't need – what if it were easy to get through things? Do you see how just changing that thought would change the words that you said, would yeah. change the stories that you tell, would change the life that you live? Yeah. It's a like, very simple equation. Yeah. Like, like if someone does, like, like I'm, I'm starting a biz, business venture. And so 
maybe part of it doesn't work out like I, I thought. And it, instead of saying like, oh, I failed. Okay, well, that's it. Maybe like, okay, so this is a detour. This is a new direction. I just have to bounce off and, 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 and turn, go in a different direction, figure out what it is instead of just completely shutting it down. And those words right there just change either. Oh, 100%. I failed. It's over. Or, all right, now what? hundred percent. Yeah. So one of the beautiful things, and I know I'm straying a little bit because what you wanted to talk about is the monastery. That's all right. Uh, So let me pull back to the monastery. One of the most beautiful things I got from my 10 years in the monastery is the ability to listen. Hmm. Truly listen. Truly listen. To listen to the quiet because in the quiet, the quiet is deafening if we listen to it. But we tend to fill the quiet up with all of our noise. We tend to fill the quiet up. We're scared of the quiet. We don't know where it's going to go. We don't want to be in quiet. We don't want to be empty. We want to be filled up. Right. But when we're filled up, nothing new can come in. It's like the old story they tell in Zen Hmm. of of the student that comes to the teacher. And the teacher says, let's have a cup of tea first. And he gives him a cup and a saucer. And the student's holding the cup and saucer. And the teacher pours the tea. And it overflows the cup and it overflows the saucer. It's going on the ground. And the student says, oh, well, well, you know, I'm sorry. Can't you see no one? What, what are you born for? No one's going to go into the cup. And the teacher goes, ah, how, how smart of you. <laughs> you are this cup. You are this saucer. You come full to the brim of what you believe. You've come, you come scared to death to be empty. Hmm. And you want me to put something into you. I can't do that. Go home and get empty and then come back. Wow. Bring me an empty cup yeah, and I'd be happy to fill it. And it's kind of like, so with my face, like, like uh, the, the Holy Spirit says you have to be still and quiet to hear the, the still small be voice. Be still yeah. and know that I am yeah. God. Yeah. Right? Yep. But who does that? Right. Yeah. I don't care what religion you practice. Who actually is quiet? Who's actually still? It's hard. Name on your hand, Christians, Jews, Buddhists, Hindus, Muslims, I don't care, Zoroastrians. I don't think you can have, you can name for me 10 people on your own hands that you know that are still. Mm -mm. Even the pastor of your church, the head, even the the rabbi of the synagogue. This is non-denominational. Right. None of us have the courage. It's we. Why don't we have the courage to just be still and know that I am God? Right. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, cause I've, I've tried in my time, in my quiet time, like just to sit still for a minute even. And it's, it's my mind wanders or, uh, the, my dogs, you know, and so I start not paying attention to them instead of to the silence or my phone. So I love, you know, I love this conversation because in anything in life, when it's new to us, mm. We live in a McDonald's society. We want to place our order and 60 seconds later, if we don't get it, it's free, right? Mm. Um, But when we go to the gym and we work out, I remember years ago, I I never went to the gym. And I went to the gym and my friends took me and I could barely lift the bar. (laughs) And I lift the bar and I was so happy I could lift the bar. And then they put little nickels on the sides, you know, five pound things. And, right. and, they, and they used to call me JC Pennies because of how little I could lift, right? But over the course of a couple of years, yep. I went from lifting nickels on each side to bench pressing 135 pounds. Yep. 
but it didn't happen overnight. Right, exactly. Meditation and the practice of stillness doesn't happen the first time you sit. The first yep. time you sit, you're going to last for a minute and you're going to feel ashamed of yourself. I can't even do it. Well, and that's where the change in our story comes. That's where this happens. All right. I made you it almost a minute. Next right. time will be better. Right. I did it. Can you believe it? I, yeah. I, I For almost a minute, I had yeah. peace. Absolutely. I was quiet. Yeah. I've never had that before. Yeah. What a fabulous thing. Like I saying, wonder if I can do 56 seconds. Yeah. Next time. Yeah. Oh, 57 next. All right. 57 and a half. All right. But why don't we do that? We just yeah. give up. We yeah. just say, no, I tried that. It was hard. We got to remember, just like the saying, Rome wasn't built in a day. I, I came back to that in another interview, and it's, it just holds true because it takes time. It takes time to build a business. It takes time to have a good, uh, strong relationship with somebody. It takes time to learn something. It takes time to get stronger, to learn something new. It all takes time. It can't be instant gratification like we're so used to in today's culture. So the beauty of the monastery mm. is there's nowhere to go. <laughs> yeah. You just have to sit there. And if you have thoughts, you just sit there. <laughs> and as soon as you find yourself having thoughts, you catch yourself thinking thoughts and you go back to your practice. Hmm. And as soon as you find yourself losing your practice, you can find you, you, you say, you say, congratulations. I found myself losing my practice again. And I go back to my practice. <laughs> And you keep doing it because there's nowhere else to go. Right. Yeah. And well, I, tr and okay. I tried to avoid it by falling asleep while I was meditating. <laughs> I tried to avoid it by doing all sorts of things. But yep. then you come back to your practice. Falling asleep. I've been, <laughs> I've been there. Yeah. My, that's where I struggle. Yep. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's great. And it's all real and it's okay yeah. because why would it not be okay? If I tried to bench press 135 pounds when I in the first week that I was at the gym, I would, I would, I would be dead. The bar would fall. Right. I wouldn't even be able to <laughs> lift it. If it did, if I didn't right. lift it, it would call, come across my throat and suffocate yeah. me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We all, have to, we all start at different spots and we all take different times to get and grow. And so, yeah, I, I think it just, it's just baby steps. We just have to, we can't give up. Take so take what time. you're saying now without being too personal. Okay. Yeah, no, for sure. But take, take what you're saying now and go back to the statement. Like I, you're probably too young. Do you remember overhead projectors? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you know what an overhead projector is? Yeah. I love overhead projectors because I love the image of taking plastic sheets that are uh -huh. invisible, huh. writing things on them, putting the image on a wall. Yep. Take the first plastic sheet you wrote and said, I tried to meditate, but it was really too hard. I could only mm. sit there for a minute and then I would start following. I, I would start thinking so many things and then my dog and, and yeah. draw all those pictures on there. Yeah. And now put over it the plastic sheet of your discovery of this moment, which is we all start at a different place. We are yep. capable of doing different. We, it, we sh what would happen if we realized we made it, made it 56 seconds? Maybe tomorrow we can go 57. Or maybe tomorrow we'll go back to 45. Or maybe we'll go to 13. Yep. It doesn't matter. We're in process now in the process of becoming still. Yeah. We want to be still and know that I am God. Because that's my religion. That's my practice. That's yep. what I do. So I'm not going to be so easily swayed by having a few thoughts that drum that 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 literally shoot down the the dream of my vision. Yeah. I'm going to live my vision because I was still for a few seconds even if it was 2 or 3 seconds. That yeah. was 2 or 3 seconds more than I was yesterday. Absolutely. So what happens? Yeah. What happens when you put that second sheet over the first sheet? 
what would happen? What would happen if we would just remove that first sheet right off the overhead projector? Start anew. And just say, I've got a new sheet that I'm going to put down. Yep. Enough with the old shit, pardon my life. Enough with the old shit, right? I'm going to put a new sheet down. And that's going to change my life. Yep. And if it's not easy, that's okay. But it could be really easy. Right. Because there comes a moment in being a monk, I can tell you this for sure. Mm. There's a there's a moment that you don't even realize the moment's happening. Mm. Where what was so hard suddenly becomes intoxicatingly easy. Mm. When you feel the power of that relationship, you feel the glory of what it is to know yourself and be still and know that I am God. There is nothing you want more than that. Right. That intoxication becomes so sweet. It's like my teacher said, when you want God, like the drowning man wants air. Hmm. When you want God, like the alcoholic wants his next fix of alcohol. When you want God, like the lover wants to be with his beloved then you'll know you really want God. Mm. But if you want God, because I I just need to take a little breath and I'm going to go back under. (laughs) Or I really don't want to drink that much. I'm not, you know, I'll I'll pass today because I'm trying to get over being an alcoholic. Yeah. Or, you know what? If another pretty girl walks by, I don't need to see my beloved. It's okay. I'll see. I'll I'll, I'll be intoxicated with her. Mm. You'll never have it. Nope. So the process, the glory, the, the, the exquisiteness of being a monk is that you have nowhere to go but inside. Huh. I remember sitting, if I can share one story with Absolutely. you. Absolutely. I remember sitting on a retreat that we did. And in the retreat, I was, put in, I was in a room for 14 hours. And I sat in the room for the first two hours and I sat and I meditated and I felt, Oh my God, this is just heaven. Hmm. I have no distractions. My meals are taken care of. They'll deliver them to me. I mean, what a beautiful place to be. There's just like, it's like, this is the perfect place to be. About seven hours into it, I started to get hungry and I started to say, I wonder where they are with the food. Yeah. And I started screaming out, hello, hello, I'm here. Are you guys going to feed me? You know, I'm hungry. (laughs) And I started to get upset. And I started to get really mad. And I went through anger and I went through resentment. And I thought, nobody gives a damn about me. They just locked me in this room. And now they don't, they forgot that I'm even here. And yeah, they took my money and they did all this thing. And I'm just sitting in this room. What is like anybody going to come and care about me or do anything? (laughs) And on the second day, my teacher came in and he said, Danny, how's it going? And I said, well, it's been quite a ride. I mean, when I first came in, when I first came in, it was, it was like blissful. I spent two, three, four or five hours just in the bliss of being in the quiet 
But around the fourth, fifth, sixth hour, I started to get pissed off and I was mad and I was literally <laughs> screaming and nobody came. Like, what the hell is with you guys? Like, right. why wouldn't you, are, are you not, are you, did you just put us in here and lock us in here and just go away and live your life? <laughs> like, what the heck is going on with you guys? Like, why would you do that? And he said to me, Danny, what changed from the second hour to the, se to the seventh hour? And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, did anything in the room change? I said, no. He said, was the temperature the same? Yep. Was the lighting the same? Yep. Um, did anything in the room change? I said, no. So he said, so what changed? I said, my expectation changed. Hmm. My thoughts of what was going to happen changed. He said, okay, now go sit with that. <laughs> And we went right back in. Huh. And what I realized is the life we live is not based on what the reality of the life we live is. It's based on the meaning that we give that reality. Hmm. That same room was my bliss for four or five hours. Yep. Became my hell for five or four or five hours. Only because of what I thought in my head. The same exact thing. Nothing changed. <laughs> That's the beauty of the monastery. Yeah. When you realize that you are what changes, it's not your conditions. It's not your thoughts. It's, it's, not, it's not your outer circumstances. You go to a place and you sit with your God. And you just watch. And you just listen. And if you're wise, you shut your mouth <laughs> and you don't speak too much. Right. <laughs> because that's not the time to speak. We don't have to tell God how glorious he is, how fabulous. He's not like an egomaniac right. that needs to tell us how, how magnificent he is. All he wants is for us to say, I love you, God, and then just listen for his response. Mm. And when you hear that response, when you feel that response, Chris, I can tell you there's nothing more intoxicating than that. Right. Nothing in this world holds a candle to the light of that love. And that's the glory of the monastery. Hmm. And if you have it for a minute, if you have it for a day, if you have it for a month, a year, you never forget it. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Just creating that almost, that almost our, our own monastery to, to learn that, to learn the, to be in the silence so we can truly get and receive what we need to hear is, um, I think a really big addition people can put to their life. I think that really surpasses all of it because that's going to be the step in the practice to help us get in to the, that, that different storytelling and yeah. this different posture in our lives. And, and so. Listen to how much I speak. Uh -huh. and my message is to listen. Yeah. You know, so I'm as guilty of it as anything. But what I realized is the process of listening doesn't mean not speaking. The process of listening is what I do with my voice most of the time when I speak to people is I literally try to occupy your mind so your mind has something to think about, to feel. Because what I find is the mind is what interrupts the feeling of the heart. Hmm. 
that your mind is what is what interrupts the resonance of the soul because it starts to doubt it says this can't be possible this isn't true <laughs> so what i try and do with my words is i try and occupy the mind you know we have occupy wall street yeah. and we have those little movements well i yeah. have occupy i have occupy mind street nice <laughs> and i use i use my words to occupy the mind so that the real transmission the space like i talked about and that you talked about in the introduction yep so that the space between the words of my story can start to touch your heart and your soul. And so for listeners who are listening, I, I hope you enjoy the words that I'm saying. But more than anything, I hope you feel the resonance and the vibration and the energy that exists through just the quality of my voice and the transmission that's happening beneath those words. I'm speaking, but at the same time, there's something else happening. And to the extent that people feel that, and it has no religion to it, it doesn't have a, it doesn't have a name on it. Mm. God is God. You can call him Jesus, you can call him Buddha, I don't care what you call him, and I don't care, you know, they tell a great joke of a, of a guy who dies and goes to heaven. And he's met by, he's met by one of the guardians of heaven, and He's showing him around heaven and, and he says, oh my God, how come that place, look, there's a big walled off place there. And the guardian says to him, shh, the Jews think they're the only ones up here. <laughs> so we don't let them know we're not. <laughs> because, <laughs> because God will create for you the heaven that is yours. So if you think that, there's, that that's the only way to get there, you'll have a place where that's the only way. And I may be going against ruffling some feathers here. <laughs> but when you hear that voice, not all the noise of the people that are trying to get you to believe like them because they're scared. But when you hear the noise, what does it mean when Jesus himself said, be still and know that I'm God? What does it mean when, when scripture tells us that of all the things I will do, you will do far more than me. How is it possible that we could do more than the Son of God? Hmm. If we weren't also sons of God in some way, shape, or form, and we call on his energy to help us see that, mm -hmm. right? And I don't want to ruffle feathers and do whatever I'm going to do, but I do want to ruffle feathers. <laughs> because what's happened is we live in a world of stories. And the stories are creating hatred and bigotry and separation. When in reality, there is no separation. The mosaic is made up of all the different pieces. And it's every piece that makes it beautiful. It's every cluster of pieces that makes the mosaic strong. And so if you want to believe that the mosaic is just this little cluster, fine, so be it, enjoy it. It's all yours to believe. You can believe whatever you want because your beliefs create your, your words. Your words create your stories and your story creates your life. But if you look at any segment of that and you see a life that's unhappy in any place or way, shape or form, if you feel disconnected from life because of your, because of your belief systems and your thoughts, retrofit it, go back. And try and listen to what the world itself is telling you. If you're walking around, walking into walls, 
if you would listen, the world's telling you there's a door somewhere, find it. Hmm. And it doesn't matter how, how good your intention is. If you keep running into the wall, you're going to keep running into a wall. Yep. You can say, no, I'm going to make it into a door. BS, you're not going to make it into a door. You're going to hurt yourself. <laughs> All you have to do is listen and say, where is the door? Yep. And you'll find their doors everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, just again, goes back to just creating that different story and the words we use towards ourselves to find those doors and not worry about the walls and not be in a negative mindset about everything. See the yeah. positive, see the, see the next part, the, the positive part that could be coming. And I think that's huge. And I, I am very thankful that, uh, you were willing to come on the show and, and share that knowledge and, and share about your time as a monk. And uh, I hope that people listening can definitely take something away from this and, and start finding more doors as they go about their journeys uh, for sure. Um, but first, before I say goodbye to Danny here, I, I'd like to ask you five things that kind of go with pencil leadership um, real quick going through. So the first one, uh, Basically, we, we all have mentors. We all have coaches that help us because um, we can't do it alone. So who would be one of your top mentors that you've had in your life that has helped you? Alive or, or just someone? Yeah, it does, they don't have to be alive. So, you know. um, I think the person that probably inspires me most mm -hmm. is Mahatma Gandhi. Oh, yeah. And part of the reason why he inspires me is he was a little man. Yeah. Right. He had yep. physically, he you wouldn't seem to have such power. Right. But he had the courage to actually be the change he wanted to have happen. Mm. He had the courage to believe it. My, uh, another one of my heroes would be Martin Luther King. Okay. Yeah. Because he was able to congregate before social media, uh, the, the thousand man march. Right. And he didn't have the, the like now we put it in social media. We're going to have this march and everybody can come. Right. Right. He didn't have that ability. Right. But it was the power of their message and the belief in their sister in the system, the belief to stand up against a world that we no longer believe in, to live a nonviolent life, to not fight the world, but to just know the world is a good world. And yet both those men got shot and killed. Right. Mm. And so the work that I want to do is to say to people, what would happen if you allowed yourself to replace your fear with love? Mm -hmm. There's one other guy that really inspires me. I mention him a lot. Yeah. He was a homeless guy I met. Okay. And I took some time to sit with him. And actually, I have a podcast also, and he's the first episode of my podcast. That's awesome. My podcast is the Mosaic podcast. And I sat with him and I said to him, tell me about what it's like to be homeless. And he said, the crazy thing is I'm an empath too. I feel people as they walk by. Hmm. And so I'm sitting on my street corner and I could feel the disgust and the hatred and the anger and the venom that these people had towards me, they treated me worse than an animal. They looked at me as if I was this pathetic piece of nothing. And he said, I don't even want their quarters. 
But what I realized is I could sit silently and pray for them mm. as they walked by. Because they pass me six, eight times a day. They come to work. They go to work. They go to lunch. They come back from lunch. They go out on a meeting. They come back mm. from a meeting. They pass me so many times. I can just pray for them. Every time I see them, I can pray for them. Yeah. You know, over the course of six months, some of those people that walked past suddenly stopped and just stood there with him. He didn't say anything. He wasn't praying out loud for them. He wasn't doing anything. He was silent. And when they stopped, he remained silent and they remained silent. You know, three or four months after they stopped and they continued to stop, they would come and leave pictures by his hat hmm. and say, whatever you're doing to me, will you do for these pictures? Because these people are sick and they need prayers. Hmm. So how does a person who is, who is, who is looked at with, with hatred and scorn, transform a person that looks at them that way so that they would want that person praying for their family members and their friends. It all comes in the quietness. It's not in the words that he said. He said nothing to them. Right. But in the quietness of his prayer for them, he changed people. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That is so cool. Stories like that, they're just motivating and it's something. Uh, and we'll have the links uh, to Danny's show, his book, and his social media as well. So you guys can reach out and hear that episode and, and get more from him. But the next question is obviously, you've had hard times. Um, which would you say had the most impact as far as changing you? to who you are today. I know you talked about your parents. I don't know if that would be your answer, but. I'm going to make it really personal because okay. life is made up of, my life has been made up of incredible highs and tumultuous lows. Mm -hmm. And one of the hardest times I, I was having was right in these last few weeks mm. because I had a perception of my life that everybody that I loved was taken from me. Mm. All, so anything that happened, anything that was good, it felt like sometimes God was just picking me up to just kick me in the, balls again and knock mm -hmm. me down. And, and I had this perception of life and I still carry it with me a little bit, but it's starting to, to, to leave until a conversation I have. My wife does um, energetic alignments uh -huh. and she did a couple of energetic alignments on me. And, and she said, boy, there's such sorrow in your body. And I said, what are you talking about? And, and you know, like, I'm like, I'm a, I'm a pretty joyful guy. <laughs> And I didn't want to accept it because I didn't want to listen. And then I had another person have a conversation. And she said, I said, why am I stuck in my life right now? And she said, well, because there's this pissed offness of in you. That you're just pissed off that these things happen to you. That you've had so many losses. And I realized right on the other side of that pissed offness were miraculous things that came from the losses that I had. Mm. When I lost my parents, we lived in a lower middle-class family. I moved in with my mother's sister, who was one of the elite families in the United States. Hmm. I didn't like it. I didn't know them. <laughs> they didn't know me. Right. But it gave me a view of a world that was completely different than the one that I had had. It gave me opportunities that I could have never have imagined. They were kind and tried their very best to give me the best life possible. When I walked away from that life, it made me realize that the money wasn't what I was after. It was, I was after this place of contentment and heaven and inner peace that I found hitchhiking around the world, at least mm -hmm. temporarily. So on the other side of every adversity that I had, 
was something beautiful that was waiting for me, but I just never finished the sentence. I always said, good things are taking from me. Mm. But I didn't realize the rest of the sentence was, so that better things can be given to you. Wow. And that just happened in the last month. Wow. I appreciate you sharing that. That's that's an awesome kind of testimony to like seeing the brighter stuff, even if it's difficult, like, wow, man. And that kind of plays into the next one a little bit. Okay. Um, have you ever made a mistake huh. that you've learned from? Obviously we all make mistakes, but is oh there one God. that kind of have stuck out to you? Maybe it was a bigger mistake, but you ended up being able to really look back and learn a huge lesson from? I think the mistakes that I made, and I mentioned one to you earlier Mm -hmm. in the show where I said, I believed that my parents passed away on the 4th of July was for independence. Right. Um, And it was only a few years ago that I realized that they weren't born on Independence Day, they died, which means Mm -hmm. independence is death. Huge mistake. And the mistakes that I've made are ideological mistakes that Mm. have allowed me to believe stories about myself that just aren't true. When my dad passed away, let me just, I'll go to there. Yeah. But there's so many current ones, but just because I'm thinking (laughs) it's just what comes to me here. No, that's fine. When my dad passed away, um, I was going away to camp. Mm. And my dad said, I'm leaving tomorrow morning early for his trip. So I want to come in tonight and say good night, good night and goodbye. And I'll see you when I see you on visitor's day. And I said, come on, dad, you're not I'm like, when are you leaving? How early are you leaving? I, I can wake up and see you before you go. And he said, well, I'm, I'm leaving at four o'clock in the morning. There's no need for you to get up. I love you. You know, I, lo- I know you love me. Sleep, get your rest. Because that day t- tomorrow, you're going away to camp. You don't need to wake up that early. Mm. And I said, dad, I, there's no way I'm not going to wake up and see you. Well, guess what? Mm. I overslept. So for a lot of years, it's not rational. It's just guttural. Yeah. For a lot of years, I believed the story that if I would have woken up, my dad wouldn't have died while I was mm. gone. Because what I wanted to do is I wanted to, I, I didn't want to, I couldn't believe in a random world that somebody that I love so much could be taken just like that with no right. reason, no purpose, no cause. So I made myself the reason. I made it my fault. I said, if I, if I can control it, if I would have woken up, you wouldn't have died. And I put that blame on me for a long time. Mm. Now imagine the stories that I've written from that belief system. Right. And I do it all the time. Mm. I can, if we sat and, and, and just, we had no limit to the show, I could <laughs> tell you a thousand more. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. As I could. Yeah. And that's the, yeah, those limiting beliefs and those stories that we write, I mean, yeah, they can really ripple and, and change trajectories of everything. So, yeah, but I'm glad you're able to eventually at least learn from that and change, totally. change that story for sure. So as far as personally, people obviously see you, they hear your stories, uh, they talk to you, they get to know all of that. What is one thing as far as like a personal trait, an intrinsic value that you have that you would hope people could see or that you uh, work on? So for like integrity, character examples. hundred percent. I've got it. The most important thing a person can do Mm. is know themselves. Mm. 
the way to do that is the butt in the mouth <laughs> and open the ears. Yep. Because what comes out of the mouth are all the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves so that we don't have to listen to the ones that are actually being told to us because we're scared of who we would be if we listen to those. Hmm. Spend time in the quiet. Spend time not running away from the silence, but walking into the silence until the sound that you hear in the silence will be deafening. The world is trying to tell us at every turn what to do. Hmm. We don't give it credit. When I wrote my book, The Mosaic, I thought it would take me two or three months to do because I wrote a story for a hotel to brand them and it mm. took me six weeks. <laughs> but somehow along the way, the characters in the mosaic, the characters that I made up based on real life characters, the characters that I was giving voice to suddenly came to me and said, we don't want to say what you're telling us to say. We want you to listen to what we want to say and write what we want to say. These were characters I was making up. They didn't have any right to tell me what to do. <laughs> but that's what life does if we listen. Mm. And so it took me three years until I heard that. When I heard that, the book was finished in two more, in two more months. Wow. Life is trying to tell us something. And if we listen to it, it will make those things that we talked about that are so hard, mm. so easy. Yeah. Yeah, we complicate things too much sometimes. Yeah. The reason they're hard is because it's not where we're supposed to be going. Yeah. That's great. So listening and knowing yourself for sure is a big, big thing that we could all work, myself included. Absolutely. Um, and I'm sure maybe this has ties in, but the last one is, so you come to the end of your life, everything's you're, you're done here on earth. What Good would riddance. you want people to <laughs> what would you want people to kind of remember or say about you after you're gone? Um, I really don't care to be honest. Yeah. I, I, um if they were to say something, I would like them to be able to say he never went status quo. Mm. He 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 lived his life the way he was told to live his life. He listened to the world and, and had the courage to follow the life that the world was wanting him to live. You know, I'm doing this interesting experiment right mm. now. Um, I'm, a, I'm a very, I, the mosaic doesn't talk about God at all. Mm. But in my personal life, I'm a very spiritual person. I'm a very mm -hmm. God-driven person. And I really, to the core of my being, say that I believe in a God that will take care of everybody. Yeah. And when people come to me and I'll just say, I'll just say, well, you know, God will take care of you. But when I was really honest with myself and I really looked at in the mirror, I said, am I allowing myself to believe the same thing I'm telling other people to believe? Hmm. Do I really believe that God will find my way for me? What would happen if I just pulled out of the prostitution of selling myself on every street corner? selling my services and my wares, selling my coaching practice and my ability to come into comp companies and transform them. What would happen if I just quieted that? Hmm. Would I really, would God really come in 
and provide for me and show me how he to live the life that he wants me to live. And it's been scary. Mm. I'm not at the point yet where I can say, oh my God, hallelujah, he's there. And it's a, it's a celebration. I'm at the point where he's about to say, where I'm saying to him, if you don't accept me as your disciple, I'll jump off this cliff. Hmm. And you know what he's saying to me? Take a jump. Because what he's asking me to do is live the life that I say I want to live. Hmm. Rather than just give lip service to the life that I'm saying I want to live. Do we have the courage to actually be the person we want to be? Why is Gandhi my, one of my role models? Because he had the courage to be the change he wanted to see. Why is Martin Luther King one of my role models? Because he had the courage to stand up in a, in a society that was, was bigoted mm. and race and race divided to say, no, we are human beings too. Why is the boy and why is the homeless man on the street one of my heroes? Because he had the authority to sit in the place no matter what people thought of him and practice what he believed was his practice. If people remember something about me, I hope that they, I don't care if they, if they think well, he helped nations conquer stuff, or he helped corporations do what they did, or that he worked, he worked in with people to do things. I hope that they'll say, whether he was living under a bridge or in a mansion, mm. he was the same human being he always was. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think we could all strive for that a little bit, just being a true, authentic person no matter what our circumstances, I think, yeah, which I think if more people did that. I think we see a big difference. Huge. So, well, Danny, I really, again, I appreciate you being on uh, pencil leadership and, and just sharing with us. Um, and I hope you guys listening out there can take something and, and change your life for a positive. Um, and again, his Danny's information to his book, to his um, social media, to his podcast will be in the description below. So, Go ahead and check him out, um, follow him, and, and get some more great, great uh, knowledge uh, from Mr. Levin. So again, Danny, thank you so much. It's my honor, Chris. Thank you for having me. Thank you all so much for tuning in to today's show. If you enjoyed the show, share it with someone else and make a positive mark in their life. Also, head over and leave a rating and review at Apple Podcasts and let me know what you think of the show. Help me improve it as we go. And don't forget to check me out on Instagram at chris.anderson8 for motivational, educational, and behind-the-scenes info. Now let's go out and make a positive mark being pencil leaders.